Hello, welcome back. It is good to be back in the studio. Uh, Jason and Gino are here today, and we are looking forward to talking about uh, things we've learned from our Savior, Jesus Christ, about leading other people. Good to be back. Back in the seat. Yeah, it's been a while. Yes, been nice Christmas, New Year's, and yeah, good break there with friends, family. Yeah, I don't don't even know when the last time we posted one of these things. Definitely before the holiday. It was before the holiday. Yeah, yeah. I remember we, but we're back. We are, and it's this week has been already crazy. Yeah. So. Well, that's I think that's situation normal. Yep. Yeah, we just call that ministry in our in our in our world. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, I was looking. I was trying to look to see, but uh, the funny part is, it's this is not easy to um, this is not easy to pull up. So I don't I don't remember when the last one was. Yeah, let's say early December is my guess. Yeah, that's probably fair. That's probably more than or fair. mid December, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But so New Year. And um, excited for our discussion today on leadership. Yeah, you know, um, kind of thinking about this. I think you're always thinking about this when you're kind of in this chair, and you know. But the Bible says quite a bit about leadership, and so just trying to figure out, um, you know, <clears throat> what is leadership? What does the Bible say about leadership? But preaching through Matthew and John and Acts, you really get to see leadership. Mm, yeah. And uh, at some point you go, oh, I can, you can start to put some stuff together that, that we've learned. And so I think I'm, I'm kind of in this like brainstorming what I'm learning phase. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, it's like anything else. Really, you should never be like, hey, I've arrived and know everything there is to know. And so I feel like everything we talk about is kind of like, hey, here's where we are right now. And hopefully they mature, right? Stay biblical, but mature with wisdom and growth and maturity as we know, come to the Lord better and know other people better. Right. And even as we grow in wisdom. Yes. Yeah. It's weird to say that, but yeah. um, You know. I pray that we're always we're, we're we have a teachable heart, um, and we continue to grow. Yes, in our wisdom and how to navigate the scriptures and people. Yes, so. which is um, yeah, you know, and that that's all of this kind of culminates because we've been talking in Bible study about wisdom. You know, Ephesians five: Do not uh, therefore walk in wisdom. walk carefully. Yeah. Not as the unwise, but as wise. Mm, yep. Yep. So uh, wisdom's a part of this. Uh, I think, you know, I have this long list of things that I've started to observe and 
writing down and, um, you know, kind of background a little bit with, I've seen some things that I definitely, uh, you kind of come away and you go, you know, Lord, I wish I didn't have to experience that. Mm-hmm. But later when you, when you kind of like get through the emotionalness of it and some of the, the, the difficulties of it and you kind of swallow the, that was reality pill. Mm-hmm. I did experience that. Uh, you, you kind of look up and go, you know, I'm actually thankful I experienced it because uh, I'm now able to start processing and learning. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's kind of a, a reflective dissection that starts to happen where you start to say, Hey, what did I experience? What were the problems? And then also was helpful to have other people who could kind of talk through it with you and go, you know, people who weren't like, oh, you're out to lunch and what you're in your assessment of your experience. And to hear them all come along and kind of say, hey, you know what? Like, no, you're you're spot on with your observations. Now let's let's start talking about like, let's kind of decompress what you learned mm-hmm. from it. So it's kind of helpful. Yeah. Uh, and I've been involved with, you know, it's hard to, I don't like calling the church a volunteer organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think a lot of people think of the church as a non-for-profit volunteer organization. And that, that I totally understand where they're coming from. I think that's a slightly misinformed understanding of it. However, I get it, right? Mm-hmm. Because in their mind, well, you're not paid to be here. Uh, so since, since I was 18, I have been vo- involved with non-for-profit organizations where people are choosing to be there freely of their own time. They're not paid to be there. And so you, you see, at some point you start to go, you look up and go, you know, Lord, I've seen a lot, uh, even as an unbeliever, because I was an unbeliever involved with some of that. And you start to learn. And you can look back and say, hey, there, there are unbelievers, first of all, are able to practice some of these leadership principles. Um, in fact, one of the elders recently said that uh, he had a boss fired because the boss developed an us versus them mentality within the organization. And the organization said, this is unhealthy for us. So they let him go because of his us versus them mentality. Yeah. And my, my initial response was, amen, good. Right. Like that's horrible for your organization. Anytime one kind of like, cause you know, organizations start to branch out and there's not just, you know, there's many departments. And once one of those departments is like, it's us versus you, that department needs to go. They, they yep. have developed, they have become sick. And they will drag your organization down. But anyway, all that to say that, um, you know, I always kind of fear talking about some of the bad experiences uh, because somebody's inevitably is like, well, who was that that you experienced that with? And it's like, you know, that's not the point. So I don't want to, my goal here is not to like bring back up or drag people through the mud. Mm -hmm. You know, my goal is to say, hey, there, there are things that we learned from Christ. And then seeing personally that I think is helpful to talk about. And scripture talks a lot about this, about leadership. In fact, more so than I think people maybe realize. And when I look on Twitter and I look on social media at what people think a good leader is, it's crazy. Uh, it gets crazier when you start to to see some of the TV or movie characters that people think of as good leaders. And you go watch them and you're like, no, that, that person's an atrocious leader. Um, but again, it's, I think the misconception is that um, leadership is strength or lording over people. Well, people are enamored over, you know, the kind of productivity that happens 
when you have a leader, uh, when you have a certain kind of leader that's maybe very dynamic and they're impressed, oh, yeah. they're enamored. You know, you think of the big CEOs today yeah. and how productive they are and, yeah. and, 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 and for good too, you know, yeah. they've, they've done good for humanity. And, um, but the, the, the last thing you want to do is take necessarily take those leadership qualities and just apply them to what a biblical leader should be. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's unfortunate too because some of those leaders, their companies or their organizations are highly productive, mm-hmm. and yet um, they they are literally driving buses. You know, not literally, but they are hyperbole driving buses over people within their organization, leaving the dead behind them, mm-hmm. and looking up, going, "Yeah, but look at what we produced." Right. So, you know, the good, the good of the organization outweighs the destruction of the people within it. And I would argue that's not good leadership. Mm. Um, yeah, you know, uh, and, the, and the reality is, too, that uh, each of those people is going to stand before Christ and give an account. You know, we recently, part of this discussion is, uh, and part of my thinking is kind of also um, listening to the Rise and Fall of the Mars Hill podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, that was an excellent analysis of bad leadership. Right. And I heard people say, oh, you know, the, the director is bashing complementarianism. And I listened and I I actually never thought that it took social media. It took people on social media to be like, oh, he's bashing complementarianism. And my take on that was actually no, if, but what I wanted to say to those people is if you think that's complementarianism, can we sit down and talk? Cause you don't get leadership in a complementarianism system. Mm-hmm. If you think godly leadership in the home is what Mark Driscoll did in that podcast, can we sit down? Cause your, your wife is being abused by you. Right. And, and that is not what biblical leadership is. And you are out to lunch and you probably need to repent. Mm. And so there, there is, I am concerned to be fair, to, to, to put all my cards on the table. I'm highly concerned right now that some complementarians have a too authoritative view of leadership as, as husbands leading their wives. Mm-hmm. And the reality is some of those guys are painting leadership in one way. And then you go read the gospels and you almost get the sense that they would call Jesus a girly man because that's not the way Christ leads his people in the gospels. And so there is a disconnect between what we think of as leading other people and what Christ himself is doing. And yet, if you ask those people in a vacuum, hey, you know, kind of outside of this discussion of, of husbands leading their wives, if you said, hey, is Christ a girly man? Every one of them would be like, well, no, of course not. Mm-hmm. And so there's some kind of disconnect between Christ's leadership and what's going on in the real world and what people view as leadership. And because of this disconnect, I think we need to we need to kind of sit down and say, "Hey, look, what is leadership?" And so you remember Preston Sprinkle interviewed Cosper, mm-hmm. and and he said, "Hey, you know the the kind of the the criticism is that you're accusing complementarianism." And Cosper was like, "No, we're what I'm what I'm struggling with is the authoritative leadership style, right? That we saw with Driscoll." And then he remember who he brought up? He brought up uh, Bill Hybels, the egalitarian. Right. And he said, look, here's one of the super most egalitarian men you could ever meet in your life. And what do we uncover about him? That he was an authoritarian bulldozing over people. And I don't know this. I don't really know anything about Bill. I don't right. follow these guys. But apparently he was involved in some um, some sexually pretty disgusting things. Right. 
Yeah. So I think Cosper's point, like, I think I actually agree with Cosper's point there that it's not necessarily a complementarianism thing. It's a theology of leadership thing. And Mm -hmm. I, I think maybe it's even fair to say, Hey, let's, let's, let's separate from a minute the role of being a leader and let's just look at what it means to be a leader. Let's have a theology of leadership. Maybe, maybe I think that's kind of what I'm going for. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, by the way, it's not necessarily motivated because all the wrong I see. I think you're right. I just, at some point you look at me like, man, I've been doing this for like 25 years. And it's like, I recently was like, okay, I'm going to start putting this stuff on paper. And then you start to hear other stuff and experience other stuff and go, okay, you know what? Like, but let's start to get this on paper and formulate this. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to write a leadership book, though. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. The different, there's a difference between authority and authoritarian. Yes. Um, it, it's someone who abuses power. Yes. Uh, now, is there real biblical authority in the eldership? Yes. Yeah. But how does but but again like how did the how do the elders lead? Mm-hmm. You know, I I would say we've I don't know that we've ever had to go to somebody and say, "Well, I'm the elder, submit to me." Mm-hmm. I don't know that that would be beneficial. Mm-hmm. Would we ever play the elder card? Is there a situation? Uh, I mean, I could see a situation, right, um, where somebody's very insistent on, "Well, you need to have tongues in your church," and you're like, "Hey, look, man, at the end of the day." We're the, the elders, elders. <laughs> right? And we're not we're we we're, we're not convinced, and so we're not going to lead the church this way. Mm. So I can see right at that point, but I think at that point you're saying to somebody, "Hey, you know the responsibility is on our shoulders, and so in our responsibility, we don't share your convictions, so we are not going to take the same approach as you." Mm-hmm. But uh, I think it would be fair for us in that situation to do due diligence and to shepherd the person and explain to them why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, now if, if this is just one of those guys that wants to nitpick our every decision and is, is a, you know, at some point those guys become a waste of time and not, not that that person's a waste of time, but you know what I mean? If all you do is fire off critical emails every week to your elders, you're not actually beneficial to the ministry. You're actually hampering the ministry mm-hmm. and you're really kind of begging your elders to like make life about you, not about Christ. Yeah. Well, so, I think it's also fair. Like that's where membership is helpful because we're, we're telling people who want to become members, "Hey, this is how we're going to walk yeah. and lead you, yep. and this is what we believe." Yes. So, if you're on board, uh, know that you may or may not disagree, uh, agree, disagree with these things. But if you're on board and want to become a member, then we're asking that you know you at least don't be divisive about these things. Yes, I think yes. No, you're right. So anyway, sorry to take you off the track. No, no, but, no. But that's, no, no, no. You're right because that—that's exactly up front. You're saying to them, and that's what we say to them. Mm-hmm. Hey, this is how we are going to lead you and serve you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, you're you're 100 right. I'm yeah. processing. My brain is slow today. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. You know, I think about things like Ephesians six nine. The masters do the same thing to them. And so what does he mean up in six, five slaves be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ, not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the heart with good will render service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. So masters do the same thing, 
I think he's talking about, right? Like, hey, live as if you're a slave. Um, you know, you're not a man pleaser. Uh, so in other words, I think master is important because here's somebody who's in authority. In the Ephesians 6, 5 to 9 relationship, this guy has some level of authority. And he is really to act as a slave. And I think I think that's important for a leader. You need you know you need to realize you're actually never the top dog in anything. And I've actually had to explain this to my kids before because they're like, "But Dad, you're like the top. You're like the president of the church." And it's like, "No, your dad's not the president of the church. Mm-hmm. I am one of many elders, mm-hmm. and we are under the headship of Jesus Christ, and we all submit to each other because nobody's in charge of the church except for Jesus Christ." And so. You know, here right away, just because you have authority doesn't mean you have authority. Mm-hmm. You are to be as if you are a slave yourself because you're not a man pleaser. You are a slave to Christ. You you are related to Christ and Christ is your Lord. And as your Lord, you submit to him. And so really, to be a good leader means you have to understand that you're also a submitter. And mm-hmm. Calvin, even in his commentary, even in that part I read yesterday in Ephesians, Calvin even says, right, kings and queens, if they were in your church, would need to submit themselves to you. Mm-hmm. And I always think it's interesting, right, that Chris is a is an, is a uh, enlisted, mm-hmm. so he's not an officer, and yet there are officers in our church who are submitting to Chris as their elder, even though if they were at work, Chris would have to salute them. Right. And so, right, and I think that's, you know, so so in Ephesians six nine it says, do the same thing to them, right? That you are not a man pleaser; you're a slave to Christ, doing the will of God, rendering service with good will, render service. And so, even right, masters are servants. And then he says this, and give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven, is there no partiality with him? And I think, right, like, unfortunately, I think there are some who lead by, if you don't do what I say, Mm -hmm. then this bad thing is going to happen to you. And I would actually argue that's rarely how Jesus Christ led his disciples. Mm. Well, is it, um, so can we say that, um, authority is not inherent in the person, but it's in the office, right? I think so. So like the saluting, you're saluting the office. Yes. You're respecting the office. I mean, obviously we respect the person. Yes. But as a, but we're, in the end, we're all human beings made in the image of God, yep. not one more valuable than the other. Yes. Right. So that's like the starting and ending point. Yes. Um, and we, we have roles and in, in we have offices. Yes. And if you're in that office, I mean, yeah, we, we don't, um, we have, there's an authority there. And there is a there is a weight of responsibility there. Yes. So like right, if something happens at Cornerstone, well, they're not going to ask. They're they're not going to point at a congregation or a, a member. They're gonna yes. they're gonna look to the elders. Yes. And they're gonna we're gonna have to answer right to to take responsibility for the most part of what happens at Cornerstone. Yes. Um. So I think all that to say it's it's um kind of balancing. The idea, like when people are in a, an, an authoritative role or a, a, an office of authority, they they inherently are not the authority. They're in they're in an office that has authority, but they're just to, they're they're as much as expected to respect um, all people, regardless of where they are in the organization. Because yes. Because we're all made in God's image. Yeah, you're. Yeah. St- so I guess the way I think of what you're, what you're, what you're getting at to me, 
is, um, you know, just, just to take us, for example, we are elders and we are stewards of the responsibility. Mm-hmm. And so I don't ask that you respect the office because I'm the one in the chair. I ask that you respect the office because that's a God ordained respect. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's honestly the same with the president. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I remember growing up where people would say, respect the office, even if you don't respect the man. Well, now we've just thrown all that out the window. You, mm-hmm. you know, if he's not your party, then whatever, it doesn't matter. You can bash him, belittle him, you know, make fun of him all day long on social media because he's not quote unquote, my president, but he's a president of the United States. Mm-hmm. You know, if he came in our the room right now, I would shake his hand and say, Hey, thank you for serving us. You know, and is there any way I can pray for you? It doesn't mean I, that doesn't mean I agree with him. Mm-hmm. It just means there's a, you know, there's an office that he holds so I respect the office because of the office, and then you respect the individual because it's an individual made in the image of yeah. God. Despite how grotesque this yes. is. The, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, even if you like, you know, you take uh, the, the subway guy that went to jail for um, pedophilia, which is pretty gross. Um, there's still this part that if you met him, I would hope that you would show him respect as a human being. Mm-hmm. Even if... You did right. Obviously, respecting him doesn't mean you condone him. Mm-hmm. It just means you respect him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I think right. So leaders part of, part of the problem with leadership is is I think there is a unfortunately a lorded over people mentality, and it's like, well, I'm in charge. I'm the the authority. And in the business world, you'll actually hear people kind of acknowledge this because what they'll say is, oh, Tommy's a great manager, but not necessarily a good leader. And what's what they're saying is that Tommy maybe is good at managing all the responsibilities, and he's really good at reminding everybody their responsibilities, but he doesn't really incite or encourage you to work harder or better. He doesn't, you know, he's not necessarily inciting you to like to develop the company or be a good steward in the company. Um, right. He's just the guy that's like, Hey, we got these 10 things that we have to do every week and he's going to make sure those 10 things get done Mm -hmm. and that's it, you know? And so, um, but leadership might be a little different. Okay. And I think that recognition is different, but, but unfortunately I think that a lot of us here, Oh, I have a, I'm in the, I'm in the position of leadership. Therefore I'm the authority to do what I say. And I would argue that's not good leadership. And, and I don't even think, you know, if you're if you're husbanding your wife this way, I, I think you need to you need to abandon it, and I think you need to rethink your leadership. Mm. Um, if you're at work and you're the boss, and this is how you boss people, I think you need to abandon it and go a different way. Then, and I, honestly, I think right uh, one, I would not feel comfortable laying hands on a man uh, to be an elder who has this kind of leadership style too. I would like if I knew Mark Driscoll, I would never lay hands on that guy. Mm-hmm without some kind of repentance and years of showing me that this guy has changed and understands that leadership is serving, not do what I say. Right. Yeah. Huh. yeah. And not, not, I'm not trying to drag Mark Driscoll through the bus, but because we brought up the Mars Hill thing. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, all right. I don't know. What, what was that point we were making there? We're just talking about... We just kind of intro here. Yeah. Yeah, We haven't even got into the... um, Are we going through your list here? Uh, You know, I don't even know that I really hit my list. Okay. 
I think in my head right now, 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 after that intro discussion, I'm. I mean, I know we generically talk about leadership and you know what biblical leadership looks like, but I can't think of a verse that actually says you know that's. I mean, we can think of Christ and what he what he has, you know, how he leads, but is there? Um, um, I guess Matthew twenty. Huh. Yeah, Matthew it's, twenty. Yeah, that's the only thing that comes to mind at this point. Like, like slam dunk. That's leadership, right? Yeah. Well, also First Peter five um, is is important. Um, yeah, it assumes shepherding is leadership, right? Yes. Okay. Um, well, again, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight. Mm-hmm. And so, right, even that that word oversight there communicates the idea of taking care of people, of overseeing people and caring for people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's even interesting because oversight doesn't necessarily mean I'm over you, therefore do what I say. Mm-hmm. It's more the idea of, hey, I care for you and I want what's best for you. And I think you need to rethink the way you're living your life in this way. And technically speaking, someone who has oversight is in charge or like is responsible for a group of people. Yes. Yeah, so even the Greek word has the idea... Um, uh, Piscopeo has the idea of to accept responsibility for the care of somebody. Okay, yeah. So I really think, right, biblical leadership is the idea that, I think this is actually a good word, right? And I think it comes from Episcopos, mm-hmm. where the overseers are accepting responsibility to care for them. And I think that care for them approach is a good is a good way of thinking about it. Right. You know, Paul walks into the Thessalonian church and says, hey, I took care of you like a mom who nurtures her baby. And so there is a gentleness there. There is a kindness there. There is a nurturing factor in leadership because what you're saying is, hey, I'm going to serve you in a way that cares for you for the best. Hmm. And so like a good doctor who's trying to not, you know, cure your cancer, um, except for you're, you're not just there for cancer, right? You're there because, hey, I want to care for you and I want to oversee you in a way that ultimately is good for you in the long run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's kind of revolutionary because um, usually when people think of leadership, they think of the role that they have to play, but they don't think about it as I'm a steward over people's lives. Yes. You know what I mean? And if you think of it that way, then you're actually... You actually, and especially with the idea of care over their lives. Yes. And you import that into your, you know, husbandry or uh, you're uh, in charge at work. It's a completely different mode of, you know, it's a different environment that you can create when you're, when you're saying, look, I, I'm over the care of your work and how you work and how you grow and where you're going to be. Uh, that's a different, like, I, I've been fortunate to be under... Uh, management like that in the past where they actually cared about where, you know, where I was going with my career, for example. Hmm. You know, they didn't just want to produce something, take something out of me, you know, get numbers. They cared about where I was going, what I wanted to do, things like that. Um, And um, I think, right, so if we're thinking of leadership as not just getting things done, um, you're in charge over, you need to make the numbers look like this. It seems like biblical leadership, like, no, you actually care over, you have care over people and you are to steward that care over people and you have a goal for those people. I mean, I think we call that discipleship. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Agreed. um, Well, I think you bring up a a really good point there because, you know, the difference maybe between a manager and a leader 
is the manager's like, hey, we got to cross this finish line. And the leader kind of has a mindset. I think the biblical leader, leader mindset that you just brought up is, um, yes, we need to cross the finish line, but we need you healthy when you cross the finish line. Mm, yeah. And so if you need water along the way, then here's some water. Whereas the manager might be like, look, uh, you don't have time to stop for water, suffer and cross the finish line. Mm-hmm. And so the leader realizes, hey, we as a as an organization are actually better off if everyone crosses the finish line in a in a mental well being, physically well being, you know. Yeah. Well, I think that's a view of like your yeah. greatest asset are your people. Yes. Assets are your people. It's not it's yeah. not the money because yes. you can't you can always make money, but yep. it requires people. Yep. And you need good people. Yep. Right. So um, and, and that's why I think that's why we're so slow with leadership because our goal is discipleship. And in order to have discipleship, you really have to have good, solid leaders yes. uh, and for people willing to um, have stewardship over people's lives. And that's a different goal, I think, than, you know, just, hey, let's plant 50 churches and let's do it in this amount, of th- in this time frame, and let's do, let's do it at any cost. Yeah. <laughs> right? So... Uh, versus, hey, let's make disciples and mature people uh, to walk like Jesus Christ. That's a completely different um, kind of ministry, I think. Yeah, yeah. And what's interesting, we haven't even read finished reading the the First Peter five passage, but you you really have brought up a lot of what he says, right? Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion. You know, and there are some people that that are great. But unfortunately, you got to motivate them, and it's got to be a knee-jerk reaction for them to, to be great, mm. right? And so good leadership in the church is not necessarily, um, okay, fine, I'm going to do it, right? Instead, it's voluntarily, right? you know, like, hey, I'm going to do it. I'm going to keep plowing. I'm going to keep plotting. You may not see me plotting. You may not care I'm plotting, but I'm going to keep plotting. Uh, according to the will of God... Right, and that's important because you're you're serving people, you're allowing God to define the way you serve people, mm-hmm. not for sordid gain. Which again, we've seen this is a problem in in you know, there there are stories. It doesn't take long to go find stories of pastors that embezzled and found a way to make, you know, money, yeah, uh, fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, pastors that are pursuing fame, honestly, to me, that's that's pursuing sordid gain. Right. Um, but, but instead not for sort of game, but with eagerness. And then here again, in, in verse three, Peter again, brings it up now or yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge. Mm. And I think that's the problem, right? If, if you're lording it over people, how do you serve? How do you turn around and serve people Christ and then lord it over them? You can't. And yeah. <laughs> you can't. So, right. And this is where, um, but proving to be examples to the flock. And this is where that list of mine, um, somewhere in here I, I said it, that, um, okay, so Jesus, uh, I'm just going to read this list, and I, I, uh, just, just for my head's sake, could be summarized, we could summarize Jesus' leadership style by saying that he served others with love, truth, and conviction. Mm-hmm. That he served in such a way to point others to the Godhead and worship him that he spoke the truth with love and the goal to lead others to him, and that he valued all human beings, even the unbelievers, his enemies, and those who had put him on the cross. Mm -hmm. And yet his leadership pointed us to rest and peace. 
He tried to teach and influence people. He did not strong arm them into decisions. He was not abusive, but considered what is best for them mentally, emotionally, and physically. He was patient with people as they figured it out, and he indicted the unteachable. This is un- and this is unique to him because he's the judge. We are not. Mm-hmm. And so, even in some of my analysis, I'm starting to ask the question: Wait a minute, are the some of the things I saw in Jesus are those something I can re- reproduce, mm-hmm. or are those unique to him? Right. And so Jesus going into the temple, turning over the tables, Jesus does that as a sinless human being who is the judge, who has every right to make that indictment. Who That's his house in every right. That's yes. like he just went in his house and cleaned it. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily the best approach for us. Right, right. Um, so what I see with Jesus, right, and kind of what we're talking about is, is a valuing other people, right? So he values people. And in that valuing people, you know, what he continually does is he continually addresses them and tries to influence them to change their thinking and mold their thinking to what he's teaching them. Mm-hmm. And I really do think, right, when when we talk about what is biblical leadership, I think primarily it is it is being a biblical influencer. Mm-hmm. Oh, you said influencer. I know. Like, I know. And I bashed that on social media today. But, uh, but the funny part is, right, that, that you know, Johnson & Johnson has figured out, hey, this this mom over here with her four kids is a stay-at-home mom. If we pay her a million dollars and give her free product, she's the kind of person that, oh, it's a normal person. You know what I mean? Like, they'll make $6 billion off of her $1 million salary. Right. Um, and in a way. We can do that. Well, can you tell me how to do gosh, it? You know what? Uh, I have five kids. I need to put them to work. <laughs> well, the reality is too that when you when you know one of those people who's a social media influencer, and you kind of know the behind the scenes a little bit, you're like, that's all a facade. Uh, anyway, yeah. whatever. So you know, like um, anybody can look good for the camera, mm-hmm. but but biblical leadership, right? It does come down to, hey, I'm trying to influence you to walk with God, and hopefully, you can see in my life that I am also a man who does what I, what I'm trying to encourage you to do, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, yep. which is why proving to be examples to the flock, you know? And so, um, I'm trying to not exercise. I'm trying not to care for you only under compulsion, but always voluntarily with eagerness, not lording it over you, right? Like, Hey, listen, the reason I think, you need to give up this relationship with this person is because here's the biblical reasons. Mm -hmm. You know, you seem to have allowed this relationship to become an idol. You seem to be more influenced by this person's perspective of you than God. You you are sinning with this person, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And you present the case before them. And then you say, you know, how do I help you get there? And I think the lorded over person's like, hey, I told you what to do. You didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And and that's not to say there there is a time where we follow God's will and say, hey, brother, sister, we've called you to repent. You're not repenting. Mm-hmm. You know, but church discipline is actually not lording it over the person. Right. It's, it's adding more people to the voice of, hey, you're not acting like a believer. Repent. There's grace here. Or isn't there two categories there too? I feel like there's, you know, when you're trying to influence someone's life with wisdom, Right, um, you know, there's a 
the, the it's not necessarily a right or wrong answer, but you're trying to show them um, how to think through uh, their their circumstance biblically, mm-hmm. so that they can make a you know informed decision, right? So it's it's Holy Spirit informed, basically. The Spirit is really ending up leading them, really, because you're showing them what the Word says. You're giving them the biblical convictions, and they're looking at their circumstance, and they're saying, okay, this uh, option A um, is good, but option B seems like a better option for me to be a godly person, a you know, kind of person that's going to be honor God. Um, I think all that to say, uh, all that to say, um, when we're like, it's easier to be a lorded over person mm-hmm. because it requires no teaching, yes, and requires no patience. It just you just say, "Do what I say, do it now," and you could do that with everybody. And if they all listen to you, uh, it would be <laughs> that would be easy, right? Yes. And uh, and if they don't listen to you, then they're 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 done. You don't have to do, you know you're out. You're out of this organization or whatever. Um, but there is, it's more challenging to actually influence, convince and teach and teach with patience. Yeah. Um, well, it was, you were Ramil that said, um, that the lording it over leadership style is, um, uh, actually only most beneficial for the leader. Right. Yeah. That it's a selfish approach. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And I agree. Mm-hmm. Because it makes sense, right? You, I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense in the in the way that that's. It makes that that assessment is logical. Mm-hmm. The reason I'm lording it over you is because I don't want to walk with patience. Right. It's the most convenient thing for yeah. for for the leader. Yeah. Well, I mean, even even like um, the gentleman that that was always giving us beef because he wanted us to be uniformity. Mm-hmm. Um, and conformity and everybody, you know, walk into the church and everybody has no, no cell phone Bibles. Everybody has the same Bible and it would just look beautiful in his eyes. And so I think you need to make people do that. Well, ultimately that's, that's, that's laziness mm-hmm. and that's shepherding under compulsion mm-hmm. and that's not biblical, right? Like that, that doesn't even mean you're unified. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the problem with with lording it over people is people will conform to you um, out of a fear of rejection or a fear of um, of losing their job uh, or a fear of displeasing mom and dad or yeah. a fear of not getting something. Uh, and it, it it can work temporarily. Mm-hmm. The problem is you you have then you have just lit the fuse that if you're going to continue to lead them that way and the fuse on the other end of the fuse is the time bomb and the time bomb is going to explode. And when it explodes, there's going to be fractured manipulated. Somebody at some point is going to realize I've been, I'm being manipulated. I'm being abused, right? Like, and they're going to walk away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and if that's your kid, they may never talk to you again. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's your employee, they're going to go find a better job. And if it's your spouse, right, they may say, you know, this isn't worth it. I'm walking out the door on you. Uh, if it's your church, again, right, your church is going to implode at some point because, hey, you know what? This is not the way Christ, at some point, that that is all going, the house of cards is going to collapse. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the house may stand for 30, 40, 50 years. But at some point, it's all coming down mm-hmm. because that's not a humble way. That, right, like... I think I think I read that right that Christ's ministry his leadership is a servant minded influence you leadership. Mm-hmm. And so right 
That doesn't, that is not a servant mindset. You do it because I said you do it. Like, again, you just, you, you know, good luck. Yeah, I think that lording it over people, what you're actually creating is not a fear of God, a fear of man. Yes. Like, you're actually teaching your people to fear man. Yep. And not have the convictions that are biblical so that they can actually fear the Lord. And, I mean, beginning of wisdom is fearing the Lord. So, at that point, they're not going to be walking wisely. Nope. They'll be making decisions based on, oh, uh, you know, I fear this person or I fear the loss of this thing. I fear my, the loss of my, rather than being courageous and doing the right thing uh, all the time because in the end, it's about fearing the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and so you, you even just brought up what I think is a kind of a part of this, that, that for, I think, good leaders, right, they, they are actually more about the mission than they are about themselves. Mm. Yeah. And good leaders want, I think my, my opinion on this and this, I'm, I'm open to there being different perspectives on this part of leadership, but I think good leaders want more people involved in pursuing the mission of the organization. Say that one more time. I think good leaders want more people involved in pursuing the mission of the organization. Okay, why do you say that? Um, if you so, let's say I develop a. Um, this is my territorialism. I think territorialism is bad. Okay, right? Like Gino, oh, you 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 taught that Bible study. You're infringing upon what I do. Mm. Oh, you you know you just crossed into my territory. Whereas I think a good leader says, "Hey, look, we are about submitting to Christ and making disciples." And so as the Lord raises up more people who can elder, deacon, teach those Bible studies, I think a good leader says, hey, look, I'm here to equip you for the work of the ministry. You're doing the work of the ministry, so let me empower you to do the work of the ministry. Mm, okay. And kind of stay out of your way. Like, I'm not going to micromanage you now. Mm-hmm. You know, that doesn't mean he's... You know, that doesn't mean he's not maybe going to teach, right? Like your most experienced pastor, your most experienced person in the organization at some level is using his, 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 um, experience to teach other people while also showing them from the word of the God where, where he got it or what he's trying to follow himself, right? Paul to Timothy pass on these things that you have learned, so he's a learner who's leading other people, who's teaching other people, but also empowering other people to be involved in the organization. Mm-hmm. So, right, I think a good leader actually wants other leaders in the organization. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Whereas okay. the territorial guy is like, whoa, 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 whoa. these are my hundred responsibilities. You, you're not, you don't touch them. Mm-hmm. And I actually think that's bad leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, who's, who's, the, who's the leader in that scenario, the guy that's territorial? Uh, well, yeah. So a territorial leader okay, again, gotcha. and I, and that's why it kind of goes back to me in this, like good leaders are about the, they're about the mission, the mission yes. of the organization, right? So for the church, we are about making disciples. Not so the, it, not their territory. Yes. Okay. That's yeah. 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 Just to clarify. In fact, I would be, to be honest with you, I think, I think most people know I'm trying to get out of leading and teaching any Bible study. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I don't want to be involved in in helping make disciples at the Bible study level. It's it's right. It's more of this like, hey, we have other people that that are able to do it. Let's equip them and let them do this. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and honestly, there, there's a big part of me that says a good leader trains himself out of his own responsibilities and moves on. Right. Yeah. So, right. If you're, if you're in an organization and you got five people under you, train them up to do your job, let them take over your job because the, the reality is as a, as an organization matures and grows, there are always more needs that then come up that need to be met. Mm-hmm. And so there's a sense in which learn, pass on, move along. Right. And even Paul did that, right? Goes into Corinth, trains up leadership. Hey guys, been a couple of years. You guys got this. I'm out the door. And he moves on to the next church. Now he's an apostle and I'm not saying that that's what, you know, that that's the difference. He's an apostle. We're elders of a church. I don't think God's saying, Hey, move on every two years to a different church. Right. So we're not, that's not what we're saying. But, but even in Paul, you see that like, Hey, I need to equip you mentally to make disciples and to, to help other people become disciple makers, Titus to older men train younger men to be sensible. And then let's raise them up and right. Pass off this, pass off this responsibility. Um, and honestly, you're never out of you, your hands, never out of that anyway. Right. Because as they start to grow and as they start to have experiences that they shake their head and don't know what to do. Right. Then they, it's, it's like, right. It doesn't matter how old my kids are. There's, I still go to other people for advice because you know, I mean, just new challenges present new things you've never thought about. Right. That's yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Huh. Wow. <clears throat> that was a really long answer. Sorry, Drew. <laughs> what, what, what was the question? <laughs> What was the question know, there? Right. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm thinking about uh, Paul's farewell to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20 yeah. and kind of some of the things he was saying there uh, in terms of, you know, leadership. Um, anything that stands out to you there? Uh, uh, one, I think that he was humble, um, which means that what I hear him saying in Acts 20 is, hey, listen, I was a servant to you and I served you. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's important. Again, I think it comes back. I think that comes back to our understanding of what it means to be a leader, that, that to be a leader, you are a humble servant to the organization and to the mission. So I really do think that a leader himself is more concerned that the mission is successful than than he himself is successful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Would you say that anybody over people has uh, has that has a role of leadership? So like parents, you know, um or let me ask it this way, is everyone a leader or should everyone be uh, be a leader in whatever circle they're in, whether it's church or, you know, does everyone play a role of a leader or is that like just a gift? Does it make sense? You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I mean, at the, so in this, the thing, right, according to Titus too, at some point, every human being in the church is, has to be a leader. Like a disciple maker. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. Because, and I think even in the Acts 20, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. And now behold, bound by the spirit, I'm on my way to Jerusalem. So to me, right, what makes Paul a great leader in my assessment is he's always, he, he understands the mission and for him, the mission is more important than himself. Right. And that coordinates with second Corinthians six, right? I was beat. I was imprisoned. I was destruct. You know, all these bad things happened to Paul. Why? 
because Paul's about the mission. And so if Paul's about himself, any one of those events comes along, he's out the door. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the thing about bad leaders. They're about themselves. And so when, when bad comes upon them, they'll walk out the door. Uh, Whereas if you're about yeah. the mission, then you kind of have this like, hey, look, it's not, it's not always going to be easy, right? We're dealing with sinful people who are hearing that they're not sovereign over their life and that they need to submit to the sovereign Lord. And yet there's grace and freedom there. And yet to the unbeliever, there's no, there's no freedom there, mm-hmm. right? It's enslavement to come under Christ. And it's almost like you, they don't know what the water tastes like because they haven't tasted the water. But we who know what the water is refreshing are going, no, you, you actually believe your, your Starbucks is good coffee. Right. You're out to lunch. You just don't know what you don't know. <laughs> right. Um, and so, right, like at that point, Paul is about the mission and he overcomes sinful people. He keeps pressing on because the mission is more important than himself. And so there's the humility, mm-hmm. right? That one, the mission remains significant and more important. And two, and I also think you get this from Christ, the human beings that he's serving are valuable to him as well. Oh, good. I'm glad believers you said are, that. Yeah. Yes, whether they're believer or yeah. unbeliever, listen, I have what you need. Mm-hmm. This is the mission. So if you want to insult me in the process, go ahead. Right. Insult me in the process. However, you still need this. And I think that's a good leader. And all of us are called to be a leader at that level. Right. Yeah. There's not, a, there, right? And this is why even like, well, there shouldn't be women leaders. Uh, Titus 2 says different. Right. Older women train up the younger women. If you don't see that that there should be women leaders, right? And there's somebody's going to be like, well, he believes in women elders. That's not what we just said. There's a difference. And so women leaders, they're, well, women, you have got to learn how to train up younger women to be mature women who are sensible in the Lord. Mm. And to be honest with you, right, wives who have children still need to be able to tell their children, um, wives are still able to rebuke their husbands. You're, if you're both believers and your husband's in sin, rebuke him. Mm-hmm. If your husband says, well, you're, you're the wife and you're not to lead me, then he needs to repent of that as well. Right. Because, you know, your brothers and sisters, the exhortation to you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, it doesn't say only if you're men. Right. It transcends any relationship. Yes. Yeah. So, That's important. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, even in that way, right, like, there, there is a, out of a love for you and a desire to see your well-being, I'm going to approach you and address you in this area. Okay, so in your mind, what is the mission? The mission is to make disciples. The mission is to see people worship Jesus Christ. Okay, so it's interesting. So make disciples, right? Um, but in that mission, uh, there's also, it's like the person is the mission, if that makes sense. Are, are people people... Becoming disciples are the mission. Yes. Um, but it's never at the cost, right? So like discipleship, evangelism, church planting, never at the cost of like love. Right. Um, and so that's what you're saying where it's like they're still human beings and you still have to resp- honor them, uh, honor all people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do notice that that is the trend with authoritarianism in churches is that they will, at the cost of loving their people, they will pursue the mission. Yeah. Does that make sense? So like we can't, so it's mm. like, they're so intertwined, the mission yeah. and um, love, loving the people. 
because you cannot really make disciples unless you're actually loving and caring them. Yeah. Because what you're making a disciple of is not Jesus Christ at that point. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because God spends a lot of time actually talking about how we serve other people. Mm-hmm. And that's why I even go back to, right, that uh, Jesus could leadership. I think this was actually my originally my very first point. could be summarized as serving others with love, truth, and conviction. Okay, yeah. So Absolutely. love is a huge, right? The goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart. Uh, that's why that book by Alexander Strau, I found out it's Strau, not Strauch. Alexander oh. Strau, Leading with Love, okay. is a phenomenal book because mm-hmm. in your serving other people, right, you should be motivated for their well-being. Well, that's love. And the reason why you're patient is because you realize the Spirit doesn't act on your timetable. Mm-hmm. And so, right, patience is, okay, Lord, you're patient with me. I can be patient with you. The reason why you're kind and gentle, right, is ultimately all of that helps a person develop their thinking better than lording it over them, standing over them, micromanaging, belittling, and and dangling, you know, punishment over them every time they they disobey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so leadership has a, has a mission, and it also has a way to accomplish that mission. It's yes. And they have to coincide otherwise it turns into authoritarianism or lordship agreed lordship um what is yeah. it called yeah, yeah lordship well Lord, let's call it lordship leading yeah yeah <laughs> because that's um right and that's even that goes back lordship to peter's leadership. point is that according to the will of god as examples like mm. like christ is an example and mm-hmm. if you go back to first peter 2 one of the examples there is you know hey yes you may end up being under people who are unreasonable continue to serve Continue to be faithful and do it God's way, mm-hmm. just like Jesus Christ was on the cross. And because I think for a lot of people, they'll hear everything we have to say, and they'll go yes, amen, until they are in a reason. They until they are dealing with somebody who is unreasonable, mm-hmm. and then the response becomes sin for sin, shooting from the hip, firing back. And when you say, well, why were you, why did you do that? Well, you don't understand how unreasonable they're being. Right. Well, they're being manipulative. They're being blah, blah, blah. And it's like, again, I, I hear everything you're telling me, but, but first Peter two actually disagrees with you, you know, that, um, uh, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lust, which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Mm. So even to me, right, submit yourself to the Lord, um, yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to king or as to one in authority, to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God that by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. And so act as free men, but do not use your freedom as covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king, servants be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. For this finds favor if for the sake of conscience towards God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly, for what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. So even then, right, um, you've been called for this purpose, 
Verse 21, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for those to follow in his steps. So, right, like at some level, even unreasonable people, you don't, you don't move, you don't change the lane you're in and go to tit for tat, you know, teenage junior high girls fighting over a boy, right? You, you stay in your lane of I'm a servant. Mm-hmm. I love you. I respect you. I'm going to honor you and I'm going to attempt to influence you in a way that leads you to God and to worshiping him, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the unfortunate part is unfortunately in this world. And you'll hear it. Why did you say that? Well, do you don't know what the Democrat look, the Democrats do it. I don't, I don't really care. Mm-hmm. Did, like there's nothing in the text that says, Oh, it's okay because they did it too. Um, and yet, you know, as parents, we always look at our kids. Well, if they told you to jump off a bridge, would you do it? And then they turn then we turn around as adults and we justify it in other areas of our that's life. So and that, that's not yep. good leadership. It's yeah. not good servant leadership. It's um it's mani- it's actually manipulation. Like I will only act in a way that's good as long as you're in a way that's good. That's that's kind of mutual manipulation in my opinion. Yeah. What's well, interesting because we call it servant leadership and I think what comes to people's mind when they say that is like I got to do something for you like a favor or something like that, you know. Yeah. But really what we're saying is that we're actually leading to leading them to know rightly who God is. Yes. And so when we treat someone unbiblically, in an unbiblical way, when we dishonor them, we've just taught them that that's how Jesus Christ would treat them. And oh, that's, that's, a a, that's actually a really uh, important, that's a really important uh, thing to keep in mind because... You know, whether we're talking to our children or people that we disagree with very strongly with, like who who maybe even do atrocious sin, um, the way we treat them still matters because we're actually teaching them how Christ would treat them. That's a good point. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I know there's there's passages of, you know, Christ on the throne ruling and reigning with the scepter in his right hand. But again, that's not our role. That's, that's his role. But when he was, when he, he, he was here, I mean, he, I mean, he would just, he was the kind savior. Mm-hmm. Um, no, you're not wrong. That That's a really good point. Like, again, what kind of example are you? Mm-hmm. And so if you're a harsh person, you're kind of communicating to that person that God is a harsh God. Right. Which is why people are disillusioned, by the way. Oh, agreed. Uh, people leave churches who were under that kind of leadership and they can't trust uh, churches anymore because of, because they, they just assume all leadership is like that. And unfortunately, even in good churches, there's aspects of that leadership that exist that, um, you know, that could be a blind spot that people don't even realize because yeah. that's just the way they've been doing it for their whole lives. Yeah. So it's interesting. Uh, I was talking to uh, a pastor's wife, a friend of mine, and um, she had a really, 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 really good point. And she said that a a lady had got mad at her who had visited the church a couple times because she didn't give her enough attention. Hmm. And she was kind of like, it's not a good sign if you're upset with the pastor or the pastor's spouse because they are not enamored with you enough. Not a good sign for what the church... For you. Oh, for the person that feels that way. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, for the visitor. Yeah. It's a bad sign because really what you're doing is you're saying that you are here and we are here 
for you. And I think that that there, there's a balance there, right? Like if, if you don't know, if a leader doesn't know, right, we are here to point you to Christ. We are not here to be enamored with your presence, which is kind of interesting, right? Because on the one hand, the leader's here to serve people. But on the other hand, even there, there's some, there's some wisdom there that was really helpful to hear. Mm-hmm. Like if you just want the pastor to be enamored with you or the people in leadership to be enamored with you, right? You're not on board with worshiping the Lord. Right. Yeah, I agree. And so like in trying to flush this out with leadership principles, right? And I think this is where, I think this is where this, this example is actually excellent leadership is when you're a servant leader, you also have to know when saying no to somebody is serving them in a good way. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, like some people, no matter what you do, they want you, they have an agenda. And if you don't complete their agenda, um, then they're going to be upset with you. And that's why you have to be about the mission because you have to realize there are some people in this world that are going to try to distract you from the mission. Mm. And they are going to try to derail you from the mission, not intentionally, right? Nobody ever comes as like, well, I want to derail you from, from your godly responsibilities. It's usually that those people don't understand what the responsibilities are to the organization. And so the best way for you to serve them is to stand firm in serving the mission, but to stand firm with gentleness and kindness. Yes. Yeah. So if I say no, right, I'm not saying no because I don't love you. Right. Sometimes there's this like, Hey, look, I can't do what you're asking me to do, but here's, here's why Mm -hmm. here's our mission. Here's what we're committed to. And that doesn't mean you've become a bad leader, right? It just means, right, it actually shows resolve in leadership. And I think there is a tension there, right? Because on the one hand, I'm here to serve you, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I use the plates and the silverware that you think I should use. Right. Sometimes it's like, no, you actually need this plate and this silverware and this main course. And I know that you only want, you know, that, you know, I know you only want to hear what, what you want to hear and you don't want to hear what you don't want to hear, but actually the way to serve you and to lead you is to tell you what you don't want to hear mm-hmm. and try to help you realize that you need to wrestle and deal with it at some point, because if you don't, you're setting yourself up for future failure. Right. Yeah. That's really important. Um, that's the, I mean, maybe that's a negative aspect, right. Of shepherding people's souls. It's you, the, the no is actually realigning them with what, is actually important. Yes. Um, and sometimes people don't realize it, but their they their agendas seep in yeah. and all of a sudden even it sounds good, you yes. know. Oh, you know, uh, we gotta jump on board this um uh, this nonprofit organization that's doing good work here in this area. Uh and as it might be something that sounds great and actually probably maybe a church could do, but not necessarily us. Yes. At that time. <laughs> So, you know, as, as good as something can sound, it may not be uh, feasible in our, it may not be our lane at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So, so have to, we have to say no. Yeah. And it, it communicates that like, look, we can't do this. And we, I, I think that's the hard part, explaining, sometimes explaining why is hard. Like I've, I've yes. run into situations where I've, I've said no, but I couldn't put a finger as, as to why I said no. So this really is helpful. It's like, oh yeah, 
uh, this is, it's, I said no because I'm about this, not this. Yes. And yeah, when something takes over um, your ultimate mission, then you have to say no. Yeah. To, and to I think that's that why, and I think that's why it goes back to a good leader has to know the mission and has to be a servant to the mission. Mm-hmm. And so for the church, a good leader is a servant to the head of Jesus Christ, to, to, to the one who has authority, who grants us the stewardship of authority. Mm-hmm. And then our role is to make disciples. So I know at minimum our responsibility is to preach the word, pray for the flock, um, lead them in song, and also to be involved in their life enough to where you can disciple them. Right. And so there are other good and noble things that you have to say um, no to in order to maintain the mission. Right. Because if somebody comes along and basically is like, well, I, I need you to do this. Sometimes those are very noble things. But then the problem is, Hey, I only have so much, I only have so much time in my week. And if I say yes to that, then I have to say no to my spouse or I have to say no to my kids. And I think it's fair sometimes to say, Hey, for the sake of my wife, I'm going to say no to you because that all in order for me to, to, to do what I know God tells me to do. And that, that is study to preach God's word and to pray for you. You know what I mean? Like I only have so much time. And so there's yeah. a wisdom thing. Yeah. And so servant leadership is not just, Hey, I will serve you with whatever you want. And I think some people hear us talk about this and like, but you can't give people whatever they want. Mm-hmm. And they, that's, there's truth to that, right? That yes, it, that we are not saying just say yes to everything somebody asks you to do. Mm-hmm. However, like Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, you've got to be able to sometimes walk the extra mile with them. Mm-hmm. You know that that serving them sometimes means you know what? Okay, you took my cloak here. Take 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 more. And here, I'm not going to walk one mile with you. I'm going to walk two miles with you. Yeah. And you know, so yeah, there is a sacrificial part. There's a sacrifice. You know, some of this involves sacrificing your own personal desires. Um, in fact, a lot of it, right? Hey, instead of Instead of doing this, I would rather go do this. You know what? I'm going to do this for you instead. Right. I think this is where, and this is where a few different realms kind of collide here. Because you just talked about, you know, our roles, our role as elders is to lead the people at Cornerstone. Yeah. And then, but but then we're also fathers. And yep. we're also hus- husbands. Yep. You know, and, and we, you know, and then there's other circles that we're involved in. Um you know, those are all part of our responsibilities. We, in a sense, we lead in all those circles. And so, and this is where wisdom comes in because you do have to balance all that and you do have to understand each group and their needs and where they are in life and all those things. Um, and so, yeah, so maybe speak about wisdom here a little bit. Yeah, no, no, you're right. Um, and that's, that's where, right, like a, a leader has to say, Right, you have to have that conviction. Now, now there's there's a there's a there's a balance here because it is, the temptation to a leader is to say no for selfish reasons and yet to have a noble excuse for why you're saying no. Does that make sense? Say it one more time. The the temptation to a leader is to say no to something and to have a noble excuse. Well, I can't do that because of my wife. Gotcha. Okay, it is. I I have met men who say no to good things and abrogate their responsibilities and yet they always have this noble excuse. Mm, okay. Yeah. And it's like no brother, you can't abrogate you know 
if you're a pastor listening to this and you don't know anybody in your church and you only preach on Sundays, you're abrogating your responsibilities. Get to know the people in your church. Mm-hmm. Quit whatever excuse you make. Stop. Go spend time with people in your church. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's. But, I'm going to say it. I say <laughs> it. Uh, and I'm going to stand by it. Uh, on the flip Amen. side. Amen to that. You know, on the flip side... Uh, sometimes you got to know when does it, when to say, Hey, you know what? Um, I love my wife and, uh, I haven't like, I haven't really talked to her in the last two days. It's probably wise for me not to go get together with you right now. Right. You know, maybe, maybe Thursday or Friday, maybe a different day coming Mm -hmm. up soon. So I think, right. There's that balance. And, but, but as a leader, right. For us, it's not just one mission. Right, we have multiple missions. So, my mission as an elder in the church is to make disciples. Ironically, or interestingly enough, that transcends into the home as well. But I have responsibilities to my wife to cultivate that relationship, to my kids to cultivate that relationship. So, it behooves me to make sure my schedule includes cultivating those relationships. Mm-hmm. And so, right at the end of the day, for a man, you have to look down and say, I have work responsibilities, I have church responsibilities, I have spouse responsibilities, I have kid responsibilities, I have family outside of this, I have neighbors, and I have responsibilities I have to cultivate with all of those. And so to put some kind of balance in place to where you're able to do that. And that, that, means, no, that means also knowing when to say no. That's hard. Which is hard. Yeah, because it's like everyone's percentages would be different yeah. of time spent with each group. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, my my neighbor. Because it's not like 20, 20, 20, 20, right? No, no, no. It's right? not, it's, yeah. Well, and there's seasons, right? There, yes. Like if you're a UPS driver, you're busy during the Christmas right. season. So you're not saying no to your wife. You're kind of recognizing, hey, this comes with the job, which is why I even tell guys, if your wife's not comfortable with that, then find a new job. Mm-hmm. If she's like, I just can't deal with you driving the UPS truck during the Christmas season and that you can't make gingerbread houses with us. Right. If that, that's just too big of a deal for her. Then go find a new job, mm-hmm. you know, and you just open a can of worms. There, I did, probably. <laughs> yeah. But, but on the flip side, right. Like, but with, um, Oh, Thomas is here and my dog is saying hi. Um, so, but, but with, um, you know, but with other jobs and other responsibilities, you know, like, Hey, if your wife goes in the hospital, you need to say no to other things to serve your wife while she's in the hospital. Right. You know, and so right at the end of the day, servant leadership recognizing all recognizes those responsibilities that God has put on your plate. Right. If you're married, your wife is a responsibility. Uh, your husband's a responsibility. If God gives you kids, your kids are a responsibility. Uh, you have a job, which if you don't work, you don't eat. You have responsibilities. And in all of those ways, right, even when you go to work, you honor the Lord by adopting the company's what is the company's goal? You know, is the company's goal um, to to paint houses in a way that with integrity and dignity? Then you know what? My goal at work is this is my company's goal. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the other thing. A servant wants the goal to ex, to excel and to succeed. And so even when other people in the organization make decisions that you don't agree with. A part of a, a part of your company excelling and succeeding is now helping that decision be fruitful, even if you disagreed with the decision. Hmm. And and unfortunately, I think a lot of people 
when their company makes a decision they don't agree with. I think they get lazy about implementing it. Whereas the humble man says, you know what, even though I didn't agree, I'm going to help this be successful. Obviously, obviously caveat that it's, you're obviously not talking about sinful things. Right. Of right? course. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. Cause yeah, someone's yeah. thinking oh, there's that. always somebody, yeah. <laughs> there's, <laughs> always, gotta... there's always the random, like, well, but what if it's pornography? You know, it's like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. In a normal situation, mm-hmm. yes, you don't need, right. Be about, be about the decision. Mm-hmm. You know, if, even if you're on the, the, the minority view of the decision, mm-hmm. okay. You lost, you made your case, you lost your case. Now move on. Yep. It's okay. It's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and you want your company to excel. And even if you know, slam dunk, it's going to fail. You put your heart and effort into it. So when it does fail, nobody looks at you and says, you're the reason for the failure. They look around and go, Hey, it was a bad idea. And then you're the person there going, not going, I told you so. But hey, it's okay. You know what? We did our best. We worked hard. We tried. And you even ask the question, is there any way for us to make this this decision? Is there any tweaks we can make to make it work? And you know, you may know the answer is no, um, but they come back and they say, no, there's nothing we can do. We just need to scrap it. You know, we should probably take your idea. Well, okay. Well, then how do we implement that and make it successful? You know what I mean? Like there's a way to, you want, as a leader, I think you, because you value people, you want them to save face. You don't actually ever want anybody to crash in the organization. Right. You know, which is why I think, you know, and listen to that rise and fall, there were times where you just felt like they didn't care if people were left on the sidelines run over by the bus. Right. Which is sad, you know. On the flip side, sometimes you just got to move the bus and and hope that people jump on. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, yeah. You don't want to you don't want to run over people with the bus. You want yeah. to con, you know you know help them understand yeah. why getting on the bus is the best thing for everybody. Yes. Yeah, really. Yeah. And if they're not on board, then you know you don't run them over. You 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 let them know that I think it's fair to say, Hey, maybe this is not the place for you. Yes, that's true. And that's, I think that's where that's something new in my mind. Like, like to say that to somebody like, Hey, like there's a lot of churches doing good work. Go, go somewhere where you fit in. Yes. I agree with you. Right. Yeah. Because there's no reason to fight here. Cause you know, we all agree. We're all in agreement here. Why try to stop, you know, what the Lord has pressed on our hearts uh, according to what we understand. Um, it's be productive somewhere else. I a hundred percent agree. And that's not bad leadership Yeah, because that's recognizing, Hey, in this person's DNA and this person's work, they unfortunately, right. These, these two principles are, are different. You know, maybe we rank them differently or maybe we cut it or maybe, Hey, it's a personality issue and we are just not strong in this area. And you want us to be something that we just literally cannot be even though both of them are a part of still making disciples. You know, so in other words, one's not a sin issue. Yeah, no, hey, you know what? Maybe this isn't your, in the church for you, mm-hmm. you know, and that's okay. Yeah. If you're that uncomfortable with deaconesses that you can't be a part of Cornerstone, hey, then you know what? I pray that that you find a church. Even though our deaconesses are not an authority over anybody, if that's just such an issue for you, you know what? For your conscience sake, I'm more than happy to like, to lay hands on you as you go find another church. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's um, it's good for everybody. It's good for his soul. Yes. It'll be a benefit to another church. Yep. And everyone's happy, and we're still all doing the Lord's work. Yes, agreed. Yeah, so I think kind of to summarize, biblical leadership 
is um, what right? It's a servant minded. The leader primarily is serving the mission, knowing that the well being of those in the organization is important. Yes. Right. So it values humans and it's ultimately trying to get people to jump on board the mission. Right. Excuse me. Ultimately, you're trying to influence people to ride the bus the way God tells us to drive the bus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And hey, be involved in the bus. Mm -hmm. Right. And so for us, we are trying to serve you to know Christ and to pass on to other people what you've learned Mm -hmm. and to be concerned about other people's soul and their worship with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. All of those, right. We are trying to lead you in that way. Um, We want you to develop, to learn, to incorporate others and to pass on what you've learned, you know, even if that means, right, like, so, you know, we don't want you to be territorial over anything you do or volunteer to do at Cornerstone. We want you to to be willing to bring up other people under you and pass it along and move into another area if you need to, mm-hmm. you know, um, and that's good. It's good for the church that way. Amen. Yeah. Yep. We're, we're not trying to cap the amount of elders we have. We're just trying to, I mean, even when it comes to elders, who has God made an elder of Cornerstone? And let's lay hands on that person. Even my dog agrees. <laughs> Your dog's like, uh, she's like, yes, kill, kill the podcast now, guys. I know. She's like, amen. Yeah. I think she said amen, but mm-hmm. that's up for interpretation. <laughs> I know. She, she kept going. Like, I will bark at you. Yeah, you know, uh, the little one's not out. She's even worse because she she stands at the front mirror. And, uh, I love her, though, because she shepherds. She sits at that front mirror and watches the yard. And today we had two cats, and she told both of them where to go. Uh, and I think we're, what I mean by that is she was like, you need to get off my yard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was a piece of plastic that floated by, and we heard about that, so it was good. <laughs> She's good. like, I saved your life today, Dad. Those cats would have killed you. Uh, boy. Yeah, you know. <coughs> oh, excuse me. So, all right, there's probably more to say on leadership. Um, I definitely, I definitely think anything we talked about, I can, we can point these to Christ. Um, I would even say Christ's leadership was a joy to serve under. Yeah. Like there's the freedom under his leadership. Yes. Um, because his yoke mm-hmm. is light. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like you could, you, you wouldn't, if you made a mistake, you wouldn't be a fear. You wouldn't fear your life or anything. Yeah. You'd be like, wow, he's so gracious. That That's the part we didn't talk about is that a leader realizes that his people are like him, broken, fallen, make mistakes. Mm. And so I think good leaders are not afraid to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. If you have a learning mindset in the organization, then a mistake is just, hey, you know what? It's a, it's a learning opportunity. Yeah, it's a cost of learning. Yep. And yep. sometimes it's the wish, tuition. Yes. <laughs> yes. Tuition's a great way yeah. to put that. Yeah, you gotta pay somewhere, some some somehow. And sometimes decisions cost money. Yes. <laughs> so and you know what? Honestly, even though it hurts, it's okay. Yes. Um, and I think right, like Jesus was a joy to follow because again, there's there's a difference. Some people say, like, you'll say things like, Well, people are gonna make mistakes. Well, but they should be pursuing it. There, there's a difference. Just because somebody makes a mistake doesn't mean they're not pursuing excellence. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a fault on us to assume that pursuing excellence means you're not going to make a mistake. Yes. Like the only scenario where that works 
is in heaven when we're in glorified bodies. Mm. We are not in glorified bodies. So to expect perfection is to expect glorified bodies. And that is bad leadership. Right. Because now you're placing an expectation on your people that they literally cannot accomplish. I think to be fair, though, people usually get frustrated when it's like the umpteenth time. Agreed. They made the mistake. Agreed. You know, usually that's in the realm of children. Right? Well, it's yes. Like, oh, yeah. But but even even leaders, that that's where sometimes leaders need to look up and say, "Hey, are we asking somebody with the wrong gift set to do something that exposes their weaknesses and not their strengths?" Right, and I think that's part of like um, exasperating, right? People yes. or, or your children. Yes, you're you're asking them to do something that you have not taught them how to do. They don't have the strength strength or ability to do it or they haven't learned how to navigate it like yeah you got to expect a lot of mistakes at that point yeah yeah so so i think right that that's a good point your leaders have to have the right standards Mm -hmm. uh they can't boy even with your kids right you just can't expect they're not going to be perfect Mm -hmm. they're gonna have bad days i remember when that was helpful when i realized you know what i have bad days why would my wife not have bad days Mm-hmm. And just to realize, you know what? It's okay. She's having a bad day. It's fine. So, I, and I'm talking like once a year, right? The mm-hmm. once a year that Kyla has a bad day. Yep. There yeah. You go. Just in case you're listening to this, honey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So she could, yeah. But, you know, pro- that boy, this is where good leadership crosses into the expectations conversation, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Expect your people to fail, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of the culture you can cultivate, right? If you have a, if you have a, it's okay to learn and grow and develop culture. Yeah. Yeah. It's freer. Yes. You know, and again, if you look, if you're putting people in position who don't care or are flippant, that's on you. Mm-hmm. At that point, your, your organization is suffering because you guys made a leader to somebody that doesn't care. Yeah. And I think, right, that's why you're looking for fat people, faithful, available, teachable, right? And so, oh, this was something that that Brad, I know we talked about with Brad. I can't remember if we talked about this in Montana, um, but I definitely remember talking to Brad about this because it was our disposition that, you know, every now and then somebody comes to you and says, hey, you need, you know, this would be a great ministry idea. You should do this. And you kind of look around and go, yeah, but we don't have somebody qualified to lead in that area. Mm-hmm. And so what we would say is, you know what, if you don't have a qualified leader, you don't do it. At Cornerstone? Or you're talking about, he, he was saying that. In any organization. Okay, gotcha. Okay. So whether that be Anchor or here or any organization, you know, I would even say if, let's say you had a ministry and the leader left and you don't have somebody to replace that person in the ministry, then whatever that thing was that the church was doing, that actually stops getting done. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Because you no longer have the leader to do it. Yes. So don't stretch your other leaders thin Mm -hmm. because, Oh, we have to do this. This is what, this is what you can learn from poker. You got to play your hand. Yes. Yes. (laughs) You have to, yeah. Yeah. You have to play your hand. We don't have the resources to do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it acknowledges that God gifts us uniquely. Yes. And um, therefore you can't expect someone to be like somebody else. Yeah. Expectations. Yep. And, 
you know, it's okay. Like, Hey, you know what? Um, that's a great idea. Unfortunately, you know, that's a great idea. Let's pray that what would happen is that God would show us if we have somebody who's qualified to run that ministry or that event or B raise up somebody to do it or C let us be content knowing that what we're already doing is honoring to God and we don't need to do that. Yes. Because I think that's it, right? Some churches get distracted by other opportunities, but they don't have the, they don't have the leadership in place to serve that ministry in a right way. Mm -hmm. And so then you look up, honestly, there's, there's a reason why some guys don't preach well. And I'm not saying I preach well from the pulpit, but but I know this even in my own life. Um, as more things come up, if I say yes to those, the detraction is on Sunday. Right. And so some churches have men so busy doing other things, they don't have time to study. Mm-hmm. So they buy their sermons from some research organization and then get slammed on Twitter because their elders have them so busy doing things that they don't have time to study, so they buy their sermons. Where can we buy these sermons again? <laughs> no, seriously, right? Are they any good? <laughs> Yeah, that's a good question. Um, but but even at the end of all of that, right? The point being that you know, if you don't have if you don't have a leader to do it, it's probably not God's will for you to do it. Yeah, like, and that, that's why I even say like a church is a body of believers with with biblical leaders. If you don't have biblical leaders, then you don't have a church. Mm. You, or in order for there to be a ministry, you've got to have qualified men doing that. Amen. Agreed. Yep. In that leadership position. Mm. Yeah. So I think that's that's an important and and that was helpful because I know Brad was big on that. If you don't have somebody to lead it, don't do it. And I'm super thankful for that advice because I think he's right. Mm-hmm. Um, don't just say yes to everything. And again, that even goes back. I mean, we now I feel like we're kind of running in circles because we talked about that a little bit. So. All right. Uh, there's more I know I can say. There's probably more you can say. Yeah, a lot, a lot of nuances, but I think this is a good start. I'm sure we'll, yes. um, as we continue to grow in our leadership, um, things will come up and we'll probably need to add that on to this as an addendum. Well, I think we're going we're gonna to talk about this in the next elders and deacons meeting too. Okay. Because they're reading Leading with Love, excuse me, by Alexander Strau. And I think that's an important book. Uh, I think if your leadership doesn't include love, then you need to stop trying to be a leader. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right. My dogs are barking. We're going to yep. call it Amazon there. guy's here. Oh, good. I that's love that why. guy. Yeah. All right. Well, that, that's, that's their celebrating his presence. <laughs> All right. Love you guys. All right. Later. Mm-hmm.